Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Okay, guys, it's Kristen Aurora. We're at Dear Media here in LA, and you're listening to Barely Filtered. And today I'm so excited. Me too. Yes, we have Jessie Anchowski. She's a French biochemist and author of The Glucose Revolution. Writing about the importance of balancing blood sugar for optimal health, she holds her bachelor's degrees in mathematics from King's College in London and a master's degree in biochemistry from Georgetown University. After working in genetics at a then startup, 23andMe, might have heard of it, Jessie started her now famous Instagram account, The Glucose Goddess, with over 1.7 million followers. So you're like a celebrity to I me. I feel very stupid yes. after reading that intro. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm just so excited that you're here. Because Thanks for this, having me. This is like, and you're just a ray of sunshine. You look like a supermodel. <laughs> I mean, you're so she's cool. French and she's so chic. I'm just here to make science sexy, guys. Oh, That's I love that. Plan. You are nailing yeah. it. And I just love that we have a woman scientist here. Like, I Young. mean, there's a lot of women scientists, of course, but it's like you've kind of merged the gap between like science and Instagram, which yes. can have this kind of like, you yes. know, just like trivial, stupid, like influencer. It's like, sh- this is not an influencer, ladies. This is a scientist a, this is turned a influencer. influencer. And by the way, by the way, I think we need like many more scientists turned influencers. Like this is just a new space. We need way more. I love well, it. Well, if you think about it, it it can be a blessing and a curse. People turn to social media for their information now. Yeah, so you have I to be there. I learn so much, especially about health, because I follow all of the health accounts, including yours. And I'm like, I had no idea about yeah. this. And you're kind of like part of that revolution. So before we jump into that, you are so young and, and stunning and all the How things. How old are you? Then. I'm 65. <laughs> <laughs> That's your, your glucose, ladies. really this do is, just age well. The glucose goddess method yeah. right here, guys. No, I'm 30, actually. Love yeah. that. That's like one of the best years of my life. So give us a quick background on how you got into this space and health and biochemics and eventually glucose. Yeah, absolutely. So it all started when I was 19. And at 19, I had a super horrible thing happen to me that like changed my life forever and got me interested in health. I broke my back jumping off a waterfall. <gasps> Bad idea. Don't let your kids jump off waterfalls. Oh okay. Terrible. So one of my vertebrae exploded into 13 pieces. I was in so much pain. I had super intense surgery. I have like all this metal in my spine now. Oh my gosh. Is that why you're six feet tall? Yes. I used to be five feet. She asked asked him to add a few more inches to her spine. (laughs) It's all a lie. No, no, it's true. So listen, physically, I healed very quickly because I was quite young and the body recovers. 
But then I started developing a lot of mental health issues, like really deep, scary, dark stuff, depression, anxiety, dissociation, like... From the medication or the trauma? The trauma. Okay. I was really lost and I felt like all of a sudden I didn't understand anything about myself. I was like, what do I need to do to wake up in the morning feeling good? You know, I was really, really, really not okay. I couldn't be alone for more than 20 minutes. When I looked at myself in the mirror, I had a panic attack. I was like, who's that person? I mean, (gasps) my brain was like proper, proper messed up. And so, you know, amidst all that pain and terror, I sort of had this thought that kept coming back to me, which was, if you don't have your health, you really don't have much. Like this is the, you know, it's the foundation of life, your physical and mental health. And so because I was suffering so much, I needed to find solutions. I was like, I need to understand how the heck my body works and how to feel better. So I was like, this is now my number one priority. So I switched from, well, after I finished my math degree, I went to Georgetown to do biochemistry because I just wanted to understand how the heck the body works. So I was just looking for clues, right? Uh, So I did that and that was cool. And then I went to Silicon Valley to work in genetics at 23andMe to understand DNA. Yeah. So that was also very interesting. But while I was there, I discovered that your DNA is just not, not that helpful when it comes to telling you what you need to do to feel good like your dna can tell you where you're from what you know diseases you might have an increased risk for but it's not going to tell you like hey jesse do this and all your mental health stuff is going to be over and some people can use it as an excuse they're like oh depression runs in my family i'm just a depressed person so i actually wanted to mention that because i read this book I, i can't think of the name right now but they say it runs in the family is an ex- a genetic excuse. They blame their genetics, but is it the genetics or is the is it environment. the unhealthy exactly. environment, the unhealthy habits? Because you, yeah, sure, you inherit your DNA from your parents, but you also inherit their lifestyle, what they eat, their right. habits, their belief system, like the 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 tools. I mean, you inherit everything, yeah. so it's not really a genetic thing. It's more like all the other shit you inherit right. from your parents. I, David Sinclair is a big proponent of that too. I don't know if you're a fan of his at all. I love but him. I do too. And Huberman Lab podcast, I'm like a big fan of that. And he talks a lot about, um, and I'm going to get this lingo wrong, but basically like the traits you inherit and then the traits that are not inheritable. Like we put so much on the trait. I think we're just told from the minute that we were born that's like, oh, well, you're you're like your parents. And it makes sense. Like that's who we emulate. Yeah. But like what actually is within our control? So much. So for most diseases under the sun, your genetics don't play such a big role in whether you're going to develop them or not. Mostly whether you get a disease or a mental health problem or whatever is way more based on what's called epigenetics. That's so what like, I was yeah. looking for. So like <laughs> your your lifestyle, your habits, what you're doing, how you process stress, your relationships, your food, etc. Right. So when I when I realized this, when I was at 23andMe, I was part like disappointed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, Damn, oh, I don't have an you're excuse looking for anymore. Answers. I was like, oh, yeah. and parts, okay, I guess I have control, which is cool. And while I was there in Silicon Valley, I discovered the world of glucose. Kind of randomly, what happened is that at 23andMe, we were always testing new technologies because, you know, it's Silicon Valley, you're testing things. This is kind of the vibe. And one day the R&D team said, hey, uh, 23andMe employees, we're going to do a test uh, where we're going to put glucose monitors on people without diabetes just to see what we might learn. And so I was like, yeah, I'll do that. Just kind of out of curiosity yeah. for just figuring out what the fuck was happening in my body. And so a glucose monitor is a little white circular device that people with diabetes use to see in real time their blood sugar levels. So it's a medical device, right? 
And we put it on, five people, we put it on as people without diabetes. And this completely, completely changed the game for me. I started seeing that the more glucose spikes I had, so we'll talk about what that means, but the more essentially like deregulated my blood sugar levels were, the worse my mental health was. Wow. So there's a direct correlation between glucose and mental health. I was even able to trigger one of these like dissociation episodes that I was suffering from for like 10 years. So you were still depressed at this time. Listen, I was like a high uh, high functioning, like broken mental health person. Clearly, because you had just gotten all all these degrees. It's like, yeah, I was high functioning, but I could never be alone. Okay. You know, I could never spend like one night in a house by myself, like impossible. I was so terrified of my own Mm. mind. So I was very, I was highly distracted. I was like doing things, achieving stuff in a way to just not be alone with the pain because I just didn't have the tools. Mm -hmm. I wasn't ready to like heal it, you know. Can you tell our listeners what glucose is in layman's term? Absolutely. So glucose is your body's preferred energy your your body's favorite energy so every single cell in your body uses glucose to do stuff so right now you know our brain cells are using glucose to think our tongue cells are using glucose to move and speak our heart cells to pump blood like every single nook and cranny in your body needs glucose just to do stuff and the main way that we give this very important glucose to our body is through food specifically through two types of food, starches. So that means like bread, pasta, potatoes, rice, like things that are starchy. Mm -hmm. Oats is another example. Or through sweet foods. So anything that tastes sweet from a chocolate ice cream to like strawberries. What about stevia, like zero sugar? Stevia does not contain glucose. Stevia tastes sweet, but doesn't contain the actual Glucose. So molecules. when people say, oh, I'm going to have a coffee and put some sugar in to get, get me energy, it's really doing nothing. So when they put stevia in, you mean? Yes. So stevia doesn't give you anything. It's really just taste and there's n- no real stuff inside that impacts like your glucose levels or your energy Got levels. Got it. But you bring up a really important point. People think, okay, like I want energy, right? We all want all the energy in the world. So you might think, okay, if glucose is my body's favorite energy and I want as much energy as possible, I should just eat as many starches and sugars as possible, right? I should be eating like oats and bread and bananas and chocolates to give energy to my body. And this is kind of where the logic breaks down. So it's a bit like, do you guys have plants at home? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, so you know when you have plants, you have to give your plants a little bit of water. Mm -hmm. But if you give your plant too much water, then the plant dies. Right. The human body is the same with glucose. So some glucose is great, too much glucose and problems start happening like for me too much glucose was leading to mental health issues but very commonly people experience things like cravings chronic fatigue hormonal issues pcos acne eczema psoriasis difficult menopause poor sleep etc and these are all related to having too much glucose in your system i love that you brought that up because you know we go back and forth on the power and it can be powerful of prescription medication and something like mental health or let's say skin, for example, we're like, here's my problem. I want the quickest solution. And it's a Band-Aid almost. We're not really going to the root of the problem. But really, glucose and what we're putting in our body can be causing these problems is yes. what you're saying. Exactly. Another really good example of this is um, when females have like missed periods or polycystic ovaries, you know, stuff like that. A common way to quote unquote fix it is to give them the birth control pill. 
Let me explain exactly what's going on there. So when there's too much glucose in your body, your body starts producing excess testosterone, which is the male sex hormone. And so in a female body, that excess testosterone then can lead to things like missed periods, acne, balding on the head, you know, hair on the face, etc. And so when you see that, sometimes doctors say, oh, just take the pill because the pill contains female hormones and it's going to bring that balance back. Right. And that can bring relief to symptoms for sure, but it's not solving the underlying right. issue of like, there's just too much I testosterone. I know so many women on spironolactone, which mm-hmm. is the, it's a, a drug that basically blocks the testosterone from like entering the cells in your face, in the, your hair follicles. So like the acne, because maybe you're having too much glucose is causing you to have breakouts. So it just puts a bandaid on the problem. Totally. Exactly. And then a lot of women who have been on the pill for a long time to like manage that. And then they want to have a baby and they stop the pill and they're like, fuck, I don't, I'm not getting my period, you know? And that's probably because the underlying issue of too much testosterone because of too much glucose hasn't been fixed. So is there, wow. is, so I'm not going to let you sit here today and tell me that I can't have sugar. No. So we're going to have to get to this point right away. And, and, and we all know that we need sugar to live. And I follow an account called I Quit Sugar. I don't yeah. know if you follow her too. She's an Australian uh-huh. woman who's like very anti-sugar. So obviously it's not feasible for humans not to ingest any glucose. How do we know the right kind of glucose and how much? That's a great question. So that was kind of my problematic when I saw that all these spikes were leading to mental health issues. I was like, but I want to eat pasta and chocolate cake. Like, I don't want to give like, up. I'm French. I need a baguette. I'm like, that's just, I'm like, okay, I'm not giving any of that. And you, a croissant. A croissant. You, a croissant. <laughs> I mean, listen, you could do something where you never eat any starches or sugars ever again, right? And your glucose would be steady, but that's just not a life I want to live personally. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, let me find a way to eat all the glucose I want without creating these spikes so that I don't harm my physical and mental health. And this is where the glucose hacks come in. So I read, you know, thousands of scientific studies, and from them I summarized these 10 principles that allow you to eat everything you love while balancing your glucose levels so you don't get all these issues. Oh, thank you so much You're for welcome. doing that. And by the way, <laughs> important thing to note is that the vast majority of us have glucose spikes on a daily basis, even if we don't have diabetes. So that's important to know. The studies put that number at about 80, 80% of the population. Okay, so the hacks. Let's get into them. Yes. Do you want me to start with breakfast or food order? Can you just can we do the ten down the line? Yeah, we can do them. Let's Which do one it. do you want me to start with? Start with breakfast. Okay, breakfast. Okay, breakfast is very very important in regulating your glucose levels for the whole day. So if you have a breakfast that causes a glucose spike, you're essentially starting a roller coaster for the whole day. Right. And a lot of people say I'm addicted to sugar. Actually, what's going on is that probably their breakfast glucose spike is causing this roller coaster that's making them feel like they need sugar every two hours. So what you do is that in the morning you have a savory breakfast instead of a sweet one. What would be a savory breakfast, ideally? A breakfast that is based around protein with some healthy fats, a little bit of fiber if you can. And then if you want like starches and sugars, that's for taste only. So for example... A good savory breakfast would be like a two egg omelet with feta and tomatoes and maybe a little slice of sourdough bread if you want. Maybe some Greek yogurt with some berries, some nut butter, maybe like a little chickpea situation. Mm -hmm. Like anything that is based around protein is going to keep your glucose level steady. You can do like smoothies with protein powder. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, so I intermittent fast. I was going to ask about intermittent fasting. I don't eat actually in the morning because I, and and I've 
told this to a lot of people. So I told you before they listened to the Huberman Lab podcast. Yeah. He talks about, and so does David Sinclair. They talk for in the the world of longevity, yeah. they they are pushing intermittent fasting as a way to kind of, I don't know, keep us younger and more yeah. healthy. And what I found for me that works is if I just have a coffee with like a little bit of milk, yeah. um, and then and then I don't eat till noon, like that works for me. And right. but I know other women who have lost periods trying to intermittent yes. fast. So two things here. One, it's it's very clear from the science that we should not be eating every two hours. Okay, it's very clear that going longer periods without eating is really good. So it's much better to have like two meals a day instead of like eight meals a day, right? What's really important is how you break the fast. So regardless of what time your first meal is, whether it's at 6 a.m. or 1 p.m., making sure it's savory and has protein in it is going to be really important. Got it. Because when we're fasted, our body is super empty. Stomach is empty, intestine is empty. So anything you eat, paf, is going to go really quickly into your bloodstream. Right. So regardless of how long you fast for, first meal of the day should be savory. Oh, interesting. So if I just had a smoothie right now with strawberries mm -hmm. and blueberries, which are the, these, by the way, are considered health foods, but yeah. they're super high sugar. If I had that right now, what would happen to me? So instead, we should have <laughs> we should have protein powder with peanut butter, yes, maybe girl. chia seeds, right? Yes. And you can put some berries in there if you yeah. want. But the the fruit should not be like the center of the smoothie. It should be there for taste. You need to make sure you have the nut butter and the protein powder and some avocado or some oils in there. And, and on the note of fruit, I've heard that theory like you should eat your fruit. You shouldn't drink it. Yes, that's yeah. another hack. So yeah. only eat your fruit whole. Never juice, Why is never that? dried. Two reasons. people think juice cleanses are like the thing. I'm like, you just spent yeah. $100. That's not good for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, two reasons. The fruit that exists today in supermarkets is not natural. So it's the result of like thousands of years of breeding by humans. A little bit like humans bred gray, gray wolves into chihuahuas for fun, right? We've been mm. breeding animals for centuries. Yeah. Fruit has been, has been bred for centuries as well. So it's extra sweet, extra juicy. If you look at ancestral bananas and what they used to look like, they're like this big. They're full of seeds. They're not very sweet and yeah. they're quite hard to eat. Bananas today, like you can eat one in a second, is super rich in sugars. So that's one thing to remember. However, if you want to have something sweet, a piece of whole fruit is always going to be the best option because fruit contains fiber. And fiber is super healthy, super protective and prevents too many glucose spikes from happening. Now, when you juice a piece of fruit, you're getting rid of all the fiber. You're just concentrating all the sugar in the fruit into water. Wow. So you're, you're getting rid of all of that fiber when you're juicing. Yes, yes. Because yes. the, the fiber is the actual like hard stuff, you know, that you throw away when you juice. And you need the fiber in, in order to Prevent break a down big the spike. sugar. No, just to, to protect your body from absorbing the sugar too quickly. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's an important the spike. Okay. Exactly. So that's important. So what's number two? Yeah. What's number two? <laughs> okay. So we just did two. We did breakfast and we did uh, only eat your fruit whole. Never. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Side. That's what okay. Number two is eat your food in the right order. Mm. So the science shows us that if we eat the food in a meal in a specific order, we can reduce the spike of the meal by up to 75% without changing what we're eating. Huh. So you can eat the exact same meal. But if you do it in the right order, you'll have less of a spike. So less of a cravings roller coaster, less inflammation, less aging, all that stuff. So the right order is veggies first, then proteins and fats, then starches and sugars. And the reason this is powerful and this works is because in veggies, there's, again, this protective fiber. And when we have fiber first at the beginning of a meal... She makes her way through your stomach into your upper intestine and there she deploys herself onto the walls of your intestine and creates this protective mesh. 
that protective mesh is then going to prevent a big glucose spike from happening from any glucose coming down afterwards. Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so can you repeat that 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 order? So it's veggies, veggies first, first, protein, proteins and fats, then starches and sugars. sugars. And to be honest, like you know. The theory that's shown in the scientific studies is this particular order. You don't need to, you know, like break up your meal and be super strict about it. We just have to remember kind of generally, okay, right. veggies first and carbs last. Yeah. So that's that's the general principle. And it's cool because you don't have to change anything about what you're eating. Right. Yeah. No and quantities. it makes sense because these like centennial countries where people are living the longest, the blue zones, they eat a lot of like rice and beans. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, they're eating. And it's real. Yeah. And it's <laughs> real. Yeah. Like if it's not like something that's like, you know, extremely packaged and and oftentimes processed. I know when I was little, it was like you were cool if you brought the Dunkaroos. For right? sure. Well, I, I always think about also like the Chinese culture. I really want to start learning more about ancient Chinese medicine. Just I'm like, these guys live till 100. Mm. And you think about what they eat and it's chicken or like some sort of with spices and whatnot. Rice, green lots tea. Lots of veggies. Lots of veggies. Fermented foods. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's wild. And here, so what are your thoughts of the food quality? Mm-hmm. I'm so hypersensitive and a little disgusted about what our, what we're you know spraying on our food. How can we trust the food and where can our listeners go to feel like they're eating the right stuff? Yeah, it's a really good question. To me, like the food landscape today, it's just a minefield. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult to just make sense of it. What I want to arm people with are these principles that allow them to still eat kind of whatever food they find, but using the hack so it creates less of an impact on the body, mm-hmm. right? Same thing for sugar. Like sugar is everywhere. Candy is everywhere. Cakes are everywhere. Like all this really sugary food is everywhere. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's possible to just yeah. say like never eat sugar ever again. Or for kids, right? I don't think it's possible. I think we need to be like, okay, sugar is going to be a part of our lives. It's part of our culture. It's part of celebration. Let's find ways to eat it in a way that causes less harm. So we're we're moms. We both have two kids. Obviously, I've got another <laughs> one coming. As moms, I, I sense this. I don't know if you do too, but there's this like mom wave of kind of starting to look at ingredients. And be like, what's that? What's that? What's mm. this? So we're trying to, of course, set our children up to be as healthy as possible. So what are tools? I mean, would we just follow the same hacks with our, our Absolutely. children? All yeah, time yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's get to number four then. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> let's get some more. So the food order is one, but then out of this food order, I created another hack, which is called just have a veggie starter at the beginning of your meals. So add a plate of vegetables as the first dish of your meals and try to make this make up about like 30% of the meal. But the fact that you have it before everything else is really important because it helps that, that fiber create the protective mesh that's going to help your body process the meal. So even for kids, right, you can start by giving them like some, you know, baby carrots with some hummus or something like that as they're waiting for a meal so that they're pre- they prepare their body to process that meal in the best way possible without creating too big of a spike. Now, let's talk about sugar and the hacks specifically around sugar. So what are the ways we can eat sugar in a way that's less bad for our health? So number one, Never have sugar on an empty stomach. Always after a meal. Wow. Because for your brain, it's the same. You're getting pleasure in both cases. But for your body and your glucose, it's completely different. Sugar on an empty stomach, again, when your body is very empty because you're fasted, the glucose goes from mouth, stomach, intestine, blood, super, Mm. super, super quickly. Nothing to slow it down. If you have that same sugar, let's say, I don't know, 
a cookie, a slice of cake or fruit juice, whatever, fruit loops (laughs) after a meal, because of all the rest of the food in your digestive system, those glucose molecules are not going to arrive as quickly into your bloodstream. Therefore, they're not going to create as big of a spike. And with a smaller spike, there's also fewer consequences on your mood, on your energy, on your cravings, on your sleep that night, on your hormones, etc. So that's a good one, especially for kids. Yeah. Yeah. I think about, especially, um, and we can get back to the hacks, but I think of my dad, honestly, you know, he's 60 something years old. And I think it's very common in that generation. They're kind of stuck in their ways with food. I have no energy or I I have this going on or my hands numb, my back hurts. You know, Mm. I'm falling asleep on the couch. What can I say as a, as a, a daughter to, how do I, like, you can't make someone change, but what, what are they just also follow the hacks? It's universal. I mean, it's, How receptive would your dad be though to this information? Would he be know, a bit Italian. like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I try. I'm like, here's magnesium. Here's this. But yeah. I always tell him it's what you're putting in your body. Mm-hmm. And he's probably doing it, especially in the wrong order. Well, he's Italian, you say? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So remind him that in Italy, antipasti is the tradition, which means like this starter at the beginning of your meals. And usually it's vegetables. Yes. So be like, dad, like, don't forget your Italian roots. Like, remember to have the antipasti, you know, the roast roasted eggplant the roasted Mm -hmm. zucchini at the beginning of your meal just kind of make him feel like you know he needs to remember to do that because he's italian for sure and because like that generation i just feel like they turn to medication Mm. they don't want to acknowledge that what they're putting in their body is having a direct effect on their mental and physical maybe it feels overwhelming or just like they don't want to deal with it yeah there's definitely a lack of education i think but that's what's cool about our generation is i feel like people are so so curious we're more open and and i'm also just thinking of i know the the like the longest lived people are actually from um, Japan and there's a couple a couple other blue zones but when you think about Japanese food too it's typical to have like pickled vegetables before yes. the meal, which gives you the fermentation which gives you the, the fiber. fiber wow so, yeah. that, does your yeah. dad read it all books no, no. okay <laughs> no I'm just trying to lead by example as best I can so I'm listening to everything yeah. that you have to say I yeah because my biggest thing my goal is I want to live to 100 mm-hmm. I am all about longevity so again, is this back to the hacks? I mean, what can we do? How does it affect the aging process? Yeah, this is cool. So from the moment you're born, you start cooking on the inside biologically. And then when you're fully cooked, you die. <laughs> Love that. Like a chicken in the <laughs> oven. Seriously, yeah. that process of cooking is called glycation. And it's actually the same as aging. So when scientists look at the cartilage of babies, it's white. When you look at the cartilage of somebody who's under 100 years old, it's brown because you've been browning and cooking on the inside. Oh, wow. And this process of glycation, the more it happens, the more aging is happening quickly in your body. And you see that on your face with wrinkles. And also on the inside, your organs are slowly aging and shutting down. The cool thing is, while we can't stop that process, through balancing our glucose levels, we can slow it down. Because the more glucose spikes we have, the faster glycation is happening. And you might notice those two words sound a bit similar, glucose and glycation. It's because lots of glucose molecules increases glycation in the body. So it makes you cook faster. So, you know, there's many things that impact aging and health, but making sure your glucose levels are steady is to me, the the sort of foundation in the house. Like you need to have that under control so that then you can start layering on other stuff. It's really, really fundamental. Wow, that is really cool. 
I, I, I know. I'm like, okay, so I got, I, I got to eat my veggies. I got <laughs> okay, it. okay, I, more, I more. Mix it. I'm like, we got to. I, I need the, need I more? need the other five tips right now. Okay, I'll tell you. I, I, I do have a quick question before I forget because I want to talk about alcohol. Yeah. What, what's the correlation between alcohol and maybe tie in aging as well with glucose? How does, how does glucose and alcohol have an effect on your body? Well, listen, alcohol is not good for our health. We just yeah. know that, okay. But the, to me. My philosophy is like when you're having alcohol, you're doing it for pleasure and, you know, fun. You're not doing it for your health. So just have whichever one you like. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of the yeah. vibe. It's like when you're eating sugar, like just have the sugar you want. Right. Don't try to optimize like mm-hmm. the particular type of sugar. Like they're all the same. So they really are. Because I know about the mm-hmm. glycemic index and mm-hmm. that like if you eat a sweet potato, your crash mm-hmm. is going to be less intense than if you eat like white rice. Yeah. And actually what I was what I meant when I meant sugar is like actual sugar, like coconut sugar, mm-hmm. white sugar, okay. brown sugar, agave, maple. Thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When I when I say sweet potatoes for me, that's more starches oh, because okay. they're not actually like they don't actually have sugar in them. They Got have it. glucose, but it's a bit different. OK. So when it comes to like alcohol or real, you know, sugar to put in your cake, like pick the one you like. Right. But if you really want to know, the best alcohols for your glucose levels are wine. So any color, sparkling, whatever. And then hard alcohols mixed with soda water. So that's the best for your glucose levels. And any levels. hard alcohol. Yeah. As long as it's mixed with soda water. Yeah. And then the worst ones for your glucose levels, and it kind of makes sense, are like cocktails because they have extra right. sugar in them. And that's the hangover yeah. too. Yeah. But also, again, like... To me, if you're having a drink, like just drink whatever you want, you know, it's not in those moments that you're optimizing for your health. Personally, that's how I feel. Yeah. Yes. I agree. I love that you like live a balanced life and you're not like, I'm perfect and you have to live this perfect life. It's not sustainable. Listen, sometimes it's Sunday morning and I wake up and I want chocolate ice cream for breakfast and I just have it, you know, and (laughs) I don't do any hacks and I'm just like, fuck it. I'm just going to watch Netflix and have chocolate ice cream. The consequences are worth it. Yeah, because we also need to have fun and enjoy our lives. It's not the point is not to become so stressed out about all this (laughs) that you actually don't enjoy your life. Right. Because that's also not great. And and I think a hot topic too that people are starting to get into is brain health and Mm -hmm. starting to take nootropics and just, Mm -hmm. you know, seeing the long-term effects of Alzheimer's and all of that, what are the effects that glucose have on your, you know, we, we talked about mental health, but physically the brain itself. Brain, yeah. So your brain has a lot of brain cells in it. And those cells feel the glucose spikes, just like every other cell in your body. So with every spike, you increase inflammation in the brain, you increase aging in the brain. And the most common symptoms of having a lot of spikes in terms of your brain are feeling brain fog. I don't know if that's something you've ever experienced, just feeling like your memory is a bit off. You're just like, ugh. Everything's a bit slow. That's actually often caused by a lot of spikes in the brain that slows down how quickly the information goes goes from neuron to neuron. Mm. That is actually like you you kind of feel that slowness right. of yeah. the signal. Yeah, yeah. And then long term, uh, we now know that glucose levels are very tightly linked to dementia and Alzheimer's. Some scientists even call Alzheimer's type three diabetes. Oh wow. Because it's wow. so connected to your glucose levels. Yeah. So it's so if you want to help your brain, it's clear you need to balance your glucose levels. It's very, very important, short term and long term. It is incredible from this conversation. I'm learning that glucose affects everything. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely everything. So and if you can attack that, exactly. you can help multiple areas. It's the in your foundation. Life. I always say to people, listen, if you could feel better than you currently do in any way, you need to learn to balance your glucose levels because, again, it's the foundation. And so many things fall into place once you do that. And how do you track? I mean, because you mentioned that device, mm-hmm. which is a medical device. I'm sure you can't just go pick it up at CVS mm-hmm. or anything like mm-hmm. that. How do we know? Uh, of course, we follow your hacks. How do we know we're, we're on the right track? You feel it. You feel you it. You feel it. 
you don't have any more cravings, you have steady energy, your brain is clearer. You're like, oh, wow, I'm pretty sharp today. Like, you just feel it. You sleep better, your skin clears up. Like, most people tell me, you know, within a few days, they're like, oh, wow, I actually feel different. And yeah. is there a crash? Like, it's kind of like a de- Is there a detox process if you commit? No, because again, my philosophy is very uh, slow and permissive. So it's not about like, don't eat sugar yeah. ever again. And no, only vegetables like, okay, eat sugar, but use the hacks so that over time you're going to want less of that sugar. So it's very slow and gentle and go as slowly as, as you want. Because it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle change exactly. you have to commit to. Exactly. But then for people who want help, like where do I start, et cetera, I have a new book out, The Glucose Goddess Method. And that's a four-week sort of like step-by-step guide to fast track you to the state where all these hacks are in our habits. I'm going to send that to my dad. Yes. And have my the mom Glucose read it to method. Him. <laughs> yeah, and it's full of recipes. It's super beautiful, super easy. I tested it on 3,000 people in October. I have amazing results. Wow. Very, very cool. So it's essentially applying all the science into your life. Because I was getting a lot of messages after my first book last year of people being like, Jesse, I love it. Like, I want to do the hacks. I know I have spikes. Help me. Can you move in with me and help me actually do it? I know. And I was like, mm, well, I can't sure. do that. But let me, you know, let me write something and make a program that's essentially like me moving in with you. That's incredible. And then I wanted to ask too, because we talked about brain fog. Yeah. Some people when they have brain fog, they turn to coffee or they turn to energy drinks. Yeah. What are your thoughts on energy drinks? And because from what I know, it's kind of like liquid poison. So, <laughs> but you feel that rush, but then maybe you might feel foggy after. Yeah, you might. You might. I mean, any bandaid that you put on a problem with unsteady energy is going to help you maybe in the short term, but long term is not going to be that helpful. And people often confuse two things. They confuse the dopamine that gets released when you eat sugar that makes you feel like, whoa, I'm awake. Mm -hmm. They confuse that with energy. That's not the same. That is like a chemical pleasure reaction to eating sweet foods. But on the inside, when you eat sugar, when you eat sweet foods, slowly your cells are becoming less good at making energy over time. So don't confuse those two things. And in the morning, you know, we've been told, I grew up eating a Nutella crepe every morning and orange juice, okay? And I had been told like sugar in the morning is important to get energy. Mm -hmm. Actually, what was happening is that as I was eating all this sugar in the morning, I felt that dopamine and I felt really awake and I was like, woohoo! But on the inside, slowly I was harming the little factories in our cells, our mitochondria, which are in charge of actually turning glucose to energy. So, you know, over time, I started getting like really chronically fatigued, yet I was still eating all this sugar in the morning. So it didn't really add up to me until I learned all this science. I was like, oh, it's not the same thing. Yes, that's I, I feel like we've all been there and an artificial energy will reveal itself to you soon. Yes. because The crash is coming <laughs> and and you feel it. But I do think that our listeners want to hear the other hacks. Yeah, let's do it. And I want to hear those from you. And then I want to hear your take on Ozempic, which yeah. I know oh. is something everybody is doing right now who can get their uh-huh. hands on yeah. it and have the money, which is has a lot to do with glucose and losing weight. It does. Yeah. Maybe we touch on that first. So Ozempic at its core is a medication that was invented for people with diabetes. Uh, and it helps your body, body balance glucose, burn fat. It also reduces your hunger levels. It activates the part of your brain. It works on your brain and it just tells you that you're not that hungry. So if you take it as a non-diabetic, you're kind of just making it easier to not eat. Mm, Okay. You know, but then when you stop, like it hasn't really fundamentally changed anything about your body. It hasn't like taught you new habits. It hasn't changed anything. So while you're on it, you might be able to essentially starve yourself without too many 
too much pain uh, or f too much feeling of being starving, but I don't think it's a long-term solution, right. right? Like, I think it's really important to teach people actual tools that they can use for the next 50 years of their lives, right. because this is kind of another kind of Band-Aid thing, I guess. And it's also confusing, you know, thinness with health. Mm -hmm. So that's a big thing, too. It's not because you're skinny that on the inside things are healthy. You know what I mean? Yes. You can be you can be super, you can have a tiny body, but have really big glucose spikes, be really inflamed, be aging really quickly on the inside. They're not the same thing. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, as much as I've, as tempting as it is, I just know, and there's no long-term studies, too, because people are taking it for weight loss now. Mm -hmm. But what we're saying, what are some of the other hacks? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, sorry. Uh, vinegar. Oh. Yeah. One tablespoon of vinegar in a tall glass of water before a meal can reduce the glucose spike of that meal by up to 30%. Oh, wow. Without you changing everything. Vinegar? Any vinegar. Apple cider, white wine, red wine vinegar, balsamic vinegar. The only one that I don't really recommend is like really syrupy glaze mm, balsamic because like balsam yeah. then has extra sugar in it. But otherwise, one tablespoon before a meal. It works because vinegar contains acetic acid, which is a cool little molecule that slows down how quickly food turns to glucose in your stomach. And it also acts on your muscles and it tells your muscles to soak up extra glucose as it arrives in your bloodstream. Oh. So that's a cool one to test out. Also interesting that we start meals with a salad that absolutely. often has vinegar on it. So if you want to combine the veggie starter and the vinegar, you absolutely can. And you can use the vinegar as a dressing oh, so that's on a good, your food. That's a good way to start mm -hmm. your, your meal, right? Because you have the good veggies, way. you've got the vinegar. Super good way. That's two hacks in one. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Love that. Mm. That's a really wonderful Habit one. Habit stacking. I'm yeah. here for it. <laughs> and so as a result, when you do this, you know, you don't have the usual craving two hours after your meal. You don't have the energy crash as much because your glucose levels are steadier. Okay, some more. Uh, I have one called put clothing on your carbs. So anytime we're eating starches and sugars, we need to make sure to not eat them naked, which means on their own. Mm. So for example, if we're having pasta, that's just starches. We don't want to eat pasta on its own. We want to add some clothing to those carbs, clothing being protein, fat, or fiber. So for example, you could add like some chicken, some salmon, some spinach, some olive oil, some cheese to your pasta. Or in the world of sugar, instead of having the chocolate cake on its own, have it with some Greek yogurt. Or the cookie, have it with some almonds before. That's also good for kids. Hmm. When they eat something sweet or something starchy, make sure it's not naked. Make right. sure there's other stuff in there that's balancing the curve. I'm thinking Good, Reese's peanut butter cup. I, yeah. well, I've been ordering cheesecake with strawberries. That's like one of my favorite things. Nice. Is, that, is, that, is that good? I, I would know. add some more protein to that. So I would add maybe some nuts before or a little Greek yogurt before would okay, help more. I love Greek yogurt. There I you go. I always have cake with Greek yogurt and it's super delicious actually together. But less impact on your glucose levels. So you're yeah. helping your body too. Um, okay, another one is moving after eating. So 10 minutes of movement after a meal because as you move your body, your muscles are contracting and they use glucose for energy. And so we can use that to our advantage. So if you move after a meal, some of the glucose from the meal will go to energy for your muscles instead of staying around and creating that big oh. spike. And an easy thing you can do, my new favorite one, you can do any kind of movement, even walking. My new favorite one is calf raises. So when you do this, you can be sitting at your desk or at your, you know, couch and you just do some calf raises for like five, 10 minutes. And this counts as movement. You don't yes. have to do a full workout no. or go outside. You can literally just yes. be on your couch and do calf raises. Because your calves contain a muscle called the soleus muscle, which is really, really good 
at soaking up glucose from the bloodstream. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Check it out. Okay. I'll have some jacked calves. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's doable for people who are like in a cubicle after for they sure. eat their lunch. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And last one is not really a hack. It's more like a philosophy. I want people to stop counting calories. Because the amount of calories in a food doesn't tell you anything about the molecules. It's like saying, oh, these two books are the same because they're both 500 pages. Mm. It's like, it's not at all. It's way too much of a simplification. Like those two books, what can be a thriller? What can be like a biography of Napoleon? Like who knows, right? They're not the same book. Just kind of a thriller. (laughs) (laughs) Same thing. Like, you know, an avocado and a cookie can have the same number of calories. But they won't have the similar impact on your body, on your glucose. One might, you know, keep you full, help your body thrive. The other one might age you, increase cravings, increase inflammation, etc. I think that's a really important one because I think especially with females, there's still cal- a lot of calorie counting. Mm-hmm. And they'll show me a bar or uh, something they think is healthy, but it's only 80 calories. And yeah. I'm like, well, this salad is three times that, but it has all of the protein and yeah. vegetables and vinegar and all the things that actually fuel your and body. And health doesn't happen in a vacuum on one decision of like this versus that because the same number of calories. Like we need to think about a whole day, a whole week. Two people can be eating the exact same number of calories. One can have diabetes. One can be super healthy and sleeping well and thriving, right? So it's really the calories is a good measure of quantity, mm-hmm. right? If I compare like a thousand calories of cake versus 10,000 calories of cake, sure, because that's more cake if it's 10,000 calories. So more impact right. on your health. But other than using it for quantity, it's a bit outdated. We need to think about the molecules. That makes much more sense and is way more helpful. So a lot of my readers, they just kind of stop counting calories altogether. They use the hacks. They focus on glucose. And they feel finally free from, you know, all the diets yeah. and the diet culture yeah. and the just intense stress and the fear of food. A lot of people are scared of carbs, mm-hmm. scared of carbs, scared of food, etc. And by teaching them how their body actually works and how food is actually impacting their biology, they break free. And that makes me so freaking happy. Yeah, I love that. And I just have one question because I can just pinpoint this one time. Well, two times in my life, both after I had my children, yeah. I was breastfeeding and it was the time when I had such intense sugar cravings. I was making brown butter chocolate chip cookies every single night. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm breastfeeding. So it's like must be a hormonal thing. My body's telling me I need more fat and like sugar. So like I'm just going to keep doing this. And, you know, it didn't make me feel good. But like what do you, what would you pinpoint that as? Is that a, a hormonal it's a good craving? question? You know, I don't know. I've gotten many questions about breastfeeding. So I need to look into it more. I'll come back to you on that one. But I'm wondering if maybe when you're breastfeeding, it takes some glucose out of your system to put it into the milk and maybe it lowers your glucose levels, which could, you know, activate cravings in your brain. Right. Maybe. But I don't know otherwise. But what you can do when you're having these cravings is eat the thing you're craving, but like have some nuts before or have some yogurt before. Just use one of the hacks. Exactly. So you're still having the thing you like, but you're not creating a roller coaster for the rest of the week. And I think that's something that I, and I think a lot of people struggle with is kind of the guilt and shame after. Mm -hmm. And I think you kind of touched on like, it was the dopamine that was telling me I need to have this. Like Mm -hmm. it's 10 o'clock at night and I need to have this ice cream in the after. I'm like, why did I do that? Like, I know I didn't need it, but my brain was telling me that I did. Like why do we crave dessert after we eat a meal? Is it just Mm -hmm. conditioning or is this like a physiological? It depends because if you started your meal with starches, like bread at the restaurant, yeah, mm-hmm. that creates a spike, and ninety minutes later you're crashing. Oh, so your brain is like, "Girl, you need to eat." Someone, someone told me that they give you bread 
because it creates cravings that you'll order more food. Well, that's me. Somebody, somebody stole my <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. That person was quoting yeah. Glucose Goddess. But yeah, so that's the thing. And also, I want people to know that cravings are not your fault. Cravings are often not a question of willpower or like, you know, we feel ashamed. We feel guilty. We feel like, oh, I'm so weak. A lot of cravings come from an ancestral part of our brain that we can't do anything against. Like, mm -hmm. there's just no amount of willpower that's going to stop that. What we can do, on the other hand, is try to avoid the glucose spiking and dropping that might be creating the cravings in the first place. And so often when you just say, okay, I'll eat whatever I want to eat, but I'm going to add these hacks into my life, slowly the cravings dissipate because you're no longer on that roller coaster. And you're like, oh my God, I don't have cravings anymore. Oh, and I didn't have to like use that's willpower. Amazing. And I'm going to urge all of our listeners to just try the 10 hacks. And yes. how quickly are they yes. going to see a different like, result? A few days. A few days. It's okay, so try the 10 hacks for a few days mm -hmm. and then um, let us know your results. Let, let us know, know how it goes. Yeah. How you feel. If yeah. it's made any impact. There's no better investment than yourself. Absolutely. So what, what do you want to give us a pump up speech for our listeners to feel motivated to start, start implementing these hacks? Okay. I want you to know that this is very easy. This is not going to ask you to restrict anything. It's not going to ask you to count calories. You can still eat everything you love. You're probably going to eat more food than usual. Uh, and it's going to completely change your life. You're going to feel reconnected to your body. Like your body is now your best friend. You're going to say goodbye to diets forever. And you're going to join, you know, millions of people in the community and millions of readers who have transformed their lives for the better. And Amazing. then you actually become who you truly are on the inside. A lot of us think like, oh, I'm just somebody who's cranky. I'm just somebody who has cravings. I'm just somebody who has bad skin. I'm like, no, 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 no. Those symptoms are messages from your body trying to be like, hello, there's glucose spikes happening. Hello, help me. Yeah, <laughs> so, I love this. Yeah, so use the symptoms as messages. Be like, okay, I'm going to help your body. We're on a team now. We're going to break, break free from all this crap so we can actually go after the things we want to go after. You know, we can live our life in the best loving, expansive way that we want. So yeah. the Glucose Goddess Method, my new book, is your fast track to this new life. All science-backed, amazing recipes, super freaking simple. And get it and change your life. And when does that come out? May 2nd. I'm so excited. So you excited. got me. I have chills. I like. I love that you said take your body back and that we're a team. Yes. We're working together. Yes, yes, yes. And on that note, thank you, Jesse, for being thank here. Thank you so Thanks, ladies. You were awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs>